You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, here in the Bulldog Hour studios with not only my co-host, Justin Raffoff, but we are here with a guest once again. We love having guests on the show, and tonight it's very important to have a guest on the show as Justin and I are in the middle of a live fantasy football draft <laughs> as we speak here. Uh, but we welcome to the show, he's he's no stranger, he's been on plenty of times before, but it's great to have Mike Drago back from MikeDragoSports.com. Mike, Mike, thanks for being here. Joe, I, yeah, I had to come by and try to pick you guys up. I mean, you're, you're so down here after that, that game Friday night. It, it was a tough one, no doubt, but, uh, you know, long season ahead, you, you, you have a good team, things will be okay, just don't, don't. Get off the like, you know. Try to talk you off the ledge here a little bit. You know, well, we, we we need guests yeah. on for weeks like this, yes, Justin. You, well, and it's funny because like we we talk about this every time there's a loss. We talk about these are obviously not as much fun to do, <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm thankful we have a guest after this one because like it was just it was it was a tough one. Um, usually, you and I, if it's an away game, you and I will talk about the like game and just all kinds of stuff, high school game scores that are coming in all night. And then we like go our several ways once we get back. And then we're usually after we settle in and get something to eat or whatever, we are also texting about other stuff we're seeing coming in. There were like no texts on Friday. Night. Yeah. We just kind of, <laughs> it was just, you know, that was, that was it. I actually it, it had a lengthy uh, text exchange with a uh, coach O'Neill from why missing. Uh, he, he knew uh, that we were in a, in a tough place, just feeling down. And uh, we, we talked about, uh, about a lot of things about uh, high school football and coaching and uh, that not everything goes the way you, you expect right. it to go. And it's how you respond. And we've seen Wilson do that plenty of times, including a few times in the last handful of seasons. Right. Wilson's yeah. been there. Yeah, exactly. Like we've we've had uh, you know and and we talk about this when we talk about the schedules. Like, you know, looking at the schedule, you know, you know, Roman Catholic and Central Dolphin and you know, Mifflin and like we you have a lot of games, non-league games that are going to be really tough. And hey, it that's that's what can happen. Um so, yeah, obviously, you know, we're here to We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about some of the things we, we saw. I I did feel like we improved in a bunch of areas from the week before. So, you know, we'll talk get to talk about that and preview uh, next week's game where hopefully we can uh, get on the right track and turn things around. And, and like Mike said, um, you know, thankfully it's not a two-week season. So Right. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. eight more games left to go, and we will have plenty to talk about them as the season progresses. We will talk about game three, Martin Luther King, towards the end of the show. But, Mike, it's times like this, Justin and I appreciate having an, a, a different set of eyes to kind of uh, tell us what they saw at the game Friday night. And uh, hopefully, like Justin said, you did see some um, would-be improvements from the game against Roman Catholic. But uh, since it's the first time you're on for the 2023 season, just kind of give us your initial thoughts about the Bulldogs and um, what you expect to see maybe going forward. Well, you know, everybody knew the defense was going to be the the, the area of concern because you, you graduated nine starters from a, a very good 
uh, defensive team, uh, and including a guy like Cam Jones, who's just a you know tremendous player, one of the one of the greatest players in, in Wilson history. You know, he's and that easily in the top ten of players because he's so versatile, and he carried this team last year in, in a lot of respects. And you don't have him out there. Um, you know, like on the one side, uh, at cornerback where, you know, nobody's going to throw to him. So you can, you know, set your defense up knowing you can leave him alone, that nobody's going to even challenge him on that side. So, you know, that's the kind of guy you can't replace, but it's going to take time. Doug Doms knows that his coaches know that, um, you know, the striking thing and it, it it's hard to say, cause everything's relative. Was it central dolphins offensive line being so big and physical or is Wilson just not, uh, defensively, a physical team right now. They just don't have that that big stud guy who's going to come in there, you know, and and, and knock some people over, um, you know, like a Schonauer or a, um, you know a guy a guy like that who who could be in the middle of your defense and just rock people and and uh, you know set the tone. And I didn't see anybody uh, like that Friday night. Now maybe again, Central's often pr- turns out to be, you know, to do this to a lot of teams. Uh, so we'll see. It's, you know, it's the season that un- unfolds, you know, chapter by chapter each week. And you learn a little bit more about your team and about the, the, the teams you're playing. And so, um, but right now that that's what struck me. And Doug said, we have to be more physical and, and, and they weren't really, they weren't, they weren't getting to those backs in the backfield. And even uh, once, you know, you know, once their backs uh, turned up field, uh, they were still getting a lot of yards after the after the uh, the first uh, first hit. You know, they were just, they were, yeah um, yeah. There was a lot of it, it seemed like you know there would be an opportunity to make a play for maybe like a two or three yard gain, and it would turn into maybe a three to six yard gain. And difference between giving up two and three on the first three downs and giving up three to six on the first three downs is the difference between first downs. You know, and and when that happens, um, you know, and it also seemed like, uh, you know, we'd ha- we'd have difficulty making three plays in a row sometimes, you know, like, so we'd get us, you know, maybe stop them for a one yard gain, stop them for a two yard gain, but then quarterback was able to get eight on third and seven, you know, things like that. And I, I don't, I'm not looking at a list of the, you know, play by play things, but it, it, that's how it felt. It felt like we were close to a number of stops. Well, even at, at the end, it, mm-hmm. we were close, so close to a couple stops. It just didn't didn't go our way. And, you know, and that's what I, you know, I know in terms of, this is me already. We're only a few minutes in. This is me like turning into <laughs> that optimist, right? Like, hey, that's what we right, need. That's blind what optimism. Hear. That's what it is about. But like, I look at, you know, a week ago, I don't know how many things we were talking about that it even felt like we were close. Now, a lot of that, granted, is playing against Roman Catholic. Like, that's just – that's a whole different situation. But I, like, we said it last week. I but, honestly thought they looked like more of a complete team yeah. this year than they so did So, like, year. walking out of that game, though, it weren't it wasn't like, hey, we were really close to being, like, on that level. I No, not uh, – not to say we couldn't get there, you know, but you, ne- you never know. But, like, it was just a different animal. Leaving Friday, well, no, not leaving Friday. But here on Sunday night, looking back on Friday, I'm like, well, it felt like maybe we were close on a couple things. And and there were, there were improvements from then, but there's still a lot of work to do. But like we said, it is week two, you know. Well, 
or week three, depending on how you count it, when they flip that calendar. Yeah, it, we're, um, we're, I guess we just tonight. finished week two. Right. We're on to week three. Right. There's on, no week right. zero. We're not doing any of that stuff anymore. Right. So it, we're on to week three. And because we're in week three, hey, like, see what see what we made improvements on. Make you know, Keep going there. See what we still need to improve on. And let's start to get right. And, you know, I I said to Joey, I think I, like, just by accident, I kind of found my, my, my take, I think, was that, look, they don't, the playoffs don't start after week two. Now, we've got a long way to go before we even ever worry about that. You know, let's, let's get on the right side of the win-loss column first and just play one week at a time and just kind of see where you end up because you can't control any of the other stuff. Um, but hopefully... You know, we we can string together some wins here and end up in a good spot come October. Before we talk more about Wilson's overtime loss to Central Dolphin, I do want to thank the 2023 season, our ninth season here on the Bulldog Hour, the presenting sponsors of Bill Mays, my dad, and Mays Sandwich Shop, as well as White Star Tours for their support this year. In addition to them, we also have a bunch of other Season 9 sponsors here at the Bulldog Hour, including Mike Drago and MikeDragoSports.com. Mike, thank you very yes, much for you. supporting the show again for three straight years. Every year the website's been around. You've been supporting us here, so we really do appreciate that. Uh, the Hop family and five anonymous donors as well. Every little bit helps us here at the show try to get bigger and better each and every day, each and every season. And the, this group of individuals and uh, corporations have helped us out in a big, big way. So thank you very much. Uh, in addition to those sponsorships, advertisings, and the donations, you can also help us out by visiting the website BulldogHour.com or taking part with our social media interactions and Justin's favorite. Yeah, like and share. If you uh, When you see something you like, make sure you spread the word. That just helps us kind of get some feedback and know, oh, they liked that. <laughs> yes, and we, hopefully we can have some player interviews for you at some point. This player season. coach interviews yeah. was uh, hoping to do that uh, Friday night. Uh, we don't take part in that after the loss. Just uh, let people uh, gather their thoughts and move on. But we will be with them as soon as the Bulldogs get their first victory. We will be talking to some players and coaches. Our next live show will be a week from now, next Sunday, September 10th at 8:30. All the normal places. So here we are. Week two in the books, overtime loss to Central Dolphin, 36-35. You know, I had some pregame discussions with a, a former teammate. Um, people may know him by the name of Chad Henney about our <laughs> distaste and dislike of the Rams because, well, they ended my Wilson football career back in 2002, and obviously Chad was a huge part of uh, those those teams that I was on. Uh, and he remarked to me as we were leaving – uh, he said almost the exact same score as our as that district championship game. It was 35-33. This was 36-35. Wow. Interesting. Um, but one of the things, Mike, and I know you remarked this in your um, previews leading up to the game this week about the matches between Wilson and Central Dolphin, all relatively ro- low scoring, at least in terms of the way high school offenses are nowadays. You're routinely in the mid-30s, 40s, 50s points. Wilson Central Dolphin is usually a different beast this one got maybe a little bit higher because of the overtime, but it was still a back-and-forth battle trying to gain every inch, every yard, which Central Dolphin was really, really strong at. You hinted at it already. They had a mammoth offensive line that just at times took over the game. And that is one thing that I believe is the most surprising so far after two weeks is 
there hasn't been a consistency or a cohesion to to either the offense or defensive line for the Bulldogs. And after returning so many guys, especially on offense, I think that's the biggest surprise to date. Now, I know there were some injuries. I, I, Matta hasn't played at all yet. And towards the it, the end of the third quarter and throughout the fourth, Jack Dendle didn't play at all with a knee injury. That That's a big body to be missing in there. He's a... a a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and they certainly miss them at the end of the game, but it's just, it was just disappointing. It was just frustrating. One thing that coach Dom's pointed out at the end was that they, the team didn't give up. They kept fighting. They kept scrapping. It's just, it, and I've said this to a few people, including Justin, it just feels like right now something's either missing or hasn't clicked. So they haven't come completely together. I've, we saw them all off season without the pads on things working really well, but now that they've gotten into a battle against two very good opponents, they just they just haven't gotten in sync yet. Well, let's just take a step back and 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 look at your opponent. You know, Central Dolphin. Uh, it, it's you know one of the uh, top programs in District Three for the last thirty years, just like Wilson. And they do things the right way there, just like they do in West Lawn. Excellent coaching staff, excellent tradition. They've won championship, district championship games. They've won a state championship. Their coach, uh, Glenn McNamee, excellent coach. And he he knows Wilson inside and out. He always has. Uh, so, you know, you have to look at your opponent. And, and, and it was basically, you know, an even game. I mean – you know, each team scored five touchdowns. They happened to go for the two and 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 make it. And you know, because they had the second possession of overtime, uh, had it flipped and Wilson was the second team. You know, maybe Doug goes for two there. Uh, you know, because his team was you know certainly uh, uh, fading a little there in the fourth quarter with the cramps and and you know he's thin. He knows that, so that would have been a situation where he'd look at it and say, you know, well, we don't want to go two or three more overtimes. Let's get it done. So, you know, it's a coin flip game, you know, so the glass is half full. Uh, you guys are talking about it being half empty, but I'll look at it as half full because, <laughs> uh, you know, losing to a team like Central Dolphin, no disgrace. Um, and, you know, they're going to be there right at the end in, in districts. You might run into them again, and it'll be another great game. They uh, suffered a loss in week one to Central York, another very strong team in District 3 6A. We've seen... Manheim Township and Cumberland Valley, all these teams kind of playing a round robin. So a lot of the big heavyweights in District 36A have all played each other in the first two weeks with more to come. Obviously, a lot of football left to go. Uh, eight games haven't even gotten into league play yet for the Bulldogs. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the stats. Um, I was surprised to see um, just how many tackles Ryan McMillan had uh, Friday. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised with the way that the defense, the number of plays that the defensive saw, it makes sense. But Ryan McMillan had 12 total tackles. Christo Hunsker at eight and a half. Cam Zulinger had seven and a half, including half, or seven, including half a sack. Um, someone whose name I heard a lot. I, I actually thought he might lead Wilson in tackles would, was Austin Valukevich. I thought he played really he, well at his outside linebacker yeah, spot. He, he really stepped up on the defensive side. Um, you know, playing both ways, he had a couple of really tough catches in week one, um, against Roman Catholic. Um, but he, he had some big tackles on Friday night. That, that, you know, those defensive stats can be deceiving because CD yes. ran the ball 61 times and they had seven completions. So that's 68 plays you right. need to tackle plus, right. plus special right. teams. So that, that number is a little inflated because I mean, the, yeah. to me, the biggest, 
the most uh, eye-popping stat is that time of possession. It's almost two to one. It was yeah. 30 minutes to seven, to about 18, you know, right. and, and that's watching the game. I'm surprised it was even that close. It just seemed like yeah. Wilson's defense couldn't off, get, get off the field. CD kept converting and they even converted a, a, a one fourth down during regulation. And then, uh, then the, the one in overtime too. So, um, uh, you know, they only punted what twice in the game. But uh, the good thing, I think Wilson punted once. So that, that shows you, you know, I mean, they, yeah. they they couldn't be stopped either. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, a good point here to talk about your quarterback, Tommy yeah. Hunsicker, which was just yeah. downright terrific. He kept him in that game with his with his feet and his arm and his, his poise, you know, as he's uh, uh, 100% better than this time a year ago. That's safe to say. Uh, perfect segue from the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the media mogul over there uh, for our player of the game. Uh, is Tommy Hunsaker? He he played phenomenal. You know, we you talked about it in the lead up to this season about how how well he played in the Harrisburg game, and uh, I, I'm sure he would tell you that Mar- or Martin Luther King, uh, Roman Catholic wasn't wasn't uh, what he wanted from his from his play, especially early on. He seemed to settle in after that. But man, was he really good Friday night, uh, keeping the offense in the game moving throughout. He was 16 of 25, passing 262 yards, three passing touchdowns. He was also able to do it with his legs, 11 rushes for 57 yards and a score. But it was him being able to extend plays, keep plays alive, and keep the defense honest because he was the the dual threat that was able to keep uh, the Wilson offense going toe to toe with Central Dolphin throughout. Anytime uh ta- anytime Central Dolphin scored, Tommy and the offense was able to answer. I mean his his remarkable play when he hit Jackson Wagner on what was it a 77-yard touchdown, I think. I felt like he ran around back there for 2 minutes trying right. to figure out where he can throw I, the ball. I was trying to describe the play to someone and then I'm in my head I'm like, you know, they talk about how like quarterbacks need to have that clock and all that stuff. And I realized I have zero concept of how long he was running around because you're like it felt like it he was running around like for minutes forever, back yeah. there, and you're like just like no 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 get rid of it get it was the perfect example of one of those no 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 yes yes yes, yes, yes thank yes. you but well, you want to describe that play just uh, talk you have to mention Fran Tarkenden's name <laughs> or Roger Stallback because that's what he was like zigzagging around back there and, and you know he must have changed directions three times and uh, another remarkable stat he was sacked one time the whole night it easily could have been three or four but oh, he, yeah. he he yeah, ran he, out of you know several uh, would be and then and that played it the touchdown pass to uh to jackson that that looked like a certain sack there and somehow uh he managed to get out of it and and maintain enough poise to look downfield and, and get the ball to his receiver uh, one thing i really liked as part of the game plan uh the game plan seemed a little bit different than Roman Catholic. They were incorporating the uh, the flares or the swing passes to Corell Akings, who had a, had a nice solid game, but getting him involved in the passing game really worked well, uh, including um, to set up what would have been a potential game-winning field goal there right after Central Dolphins drove down the field to tie it 28-28 on the touchdown two-point conversion. Wilson's offense and Tommy Hunsinger gets the ball, and they just – start to methodically work their way down the field and finally with what was it like four seconds left to go something like that uh set up for a potential game-winning field goal unfortunately it was wide um you know you could always point to a few plays that man if this had gone differently unfortunately for wilson uh there was uh was that the only no there were 
Central Dolphin had an interception. I was going to say was there only one turnover, but there was the Kiran Plummer interception in the end zone um, near the end of the first half. Wilson also had a fumble that ended a drive, and you said there weren't many punts in the games. The offense were making the defense work for it. Uh, the, the the fumble at near midfield for the Bulldogs and then two missed field goals um, obviously had a huge impact uh, on the Wilson loss. I go back to that interception. You glossed over that Maddox Groover tremendous uh, play in the corner of the end zone, out jumping that uh, wide receiver. You know, I mean, that's just a good athlete on the field. And if oh, you're sure. if you're a basketball fan, you you know about Maddox, and he's going to be uh, you know continue to be a key guy both ways as a receiver. He made a really nice catch and, and a run after a catch as well. And, and you know, and we're talking about Tommy as good a game as he had. You have to remember. His number one receiver hasn't been out there the first two weeks. Edison Case had that right. dislocated uh, elbow, and um, he'll be back soon, maybe this week, definitely week four. But, uh, you know, he's a big target, and that's going to open up things, you know, uh, yeah. even more. And you have a good tight end in Brady Klein, who had two touchdown he had receptions. Game, yeah. And with Aiken showing he can, he can catch the ball really well, yeah. uh, you know, your offense is going to be – going to be tough to stop even if you don't have a, a, a kiss, consistent running game which you haven't established yet but still if you just show enough and and uh Aiken looks like he could be a pretty good back um but you and, know Tommy's got a lot of nice options there when he's uh, uh dropping back to pass and it'll be interesting with you know as Edison gets back like you know you know I know they may try to ease him in he might start on one side you know not but you know, having him back at safety, I know he's been itching on the sidelines, you know, cause he, he's really, he really knows what he's doing when he's out there. He's a very um, cerebral yes, player. Yes. And so like he's on the sidelines and he knows, um, you know, I know at, at Roman Catholic, he, he was very in tune with what he felt was coming, you know, from the defensive side of things and having someone out there with that, you know, that ability, that skill set in, in real time, you know, you, you never know. Could, could that make a difference in one play in the game? And it, again, in the Roman Catholic game, I don't know that it matters, but in a game you lose on a two point conversion in overtime, it maybe matters. it matters. And maybe not on, on the plays at the end, even but just like one play throughout the game might change the game completely, you know? And, and I, I think you know, I think he has shown over the last couple of years his the ability to make big plays, and so I, I I am excited that like, hey, we're looking at, hey, you know what what can we do to just get over that hump? Well, maybe a player like Eddie helps us get there. Not not putting it all on him. Not saying, oh, it's going to be all on him, and he's the different. No, but we'll take whatever little bits we can add up to get over that hump, right? So, Mike, after the first two games for the Bulldogs, you got to see them now. You saw them play Central Dolphin, scanning the games that have happened, the games that are coming. Do you think it's – do you think Wilson's still pushing Mannheim Township or do you think there's any other LL teams that that should be – that should strike fear in Wilson uh, on their schedule? Obviously, they have started the league slate with Reading in two weeks. Uh, then they have an interesting game down at Lebanon with Cedar Crest, who Cedar Crest on Thursday night knocked off uh, CD East, and it wasn't even close. Uh, I thought CD East was a, a 
you know, a, a playoff team possibly this year. They've been right there over the last few years. So that score was a shocker to me. Uh, do you think Wilson's still the team to fight Manhattan Township or are there a few other LL1 teams that uh, Wilson should be afraid of on that schedule? No, I think, I still think Township's the team to beat. I mean, they, they returned a lot of guys from last year. They had a good team last year, but they, they should be, and they are very good this year. You look at their first two games. I mean, they beat, uh, Cumberland Valley 35 to six. Now this isn't the Cumberland Valley of old. That program has slipped, but still it's a huge school. And, and to dominate them that way uh, is interesting. And then, uh, Dallas down 56, nothing again. I don't think Dallas sounds great, but you know, 56, nothing. That's, that's a statement. So they, they've, they've been as good as advertised, if not better. You know, the thing going in Wilson's favor, that game is not till week 10, and, of course, it's a home game, too. But still, that's a long, long way. In, in eight weeks, a lot of things can change. That's, you know, sometimes teams uh, peak early. And maybe Township has peaked already, and this is as good as they're going to be. And Wilson certainly has a lot of room to grow. And, uh, and you know, it's far, you know we're light years away from, from worrying about uh, Section 1 title and all that stuff because lots to be decided. But to your question, I, you know, they're the team. I, I'm not going to buy into Cedar Crest. I've, they've gotten, they've had good starts before and then they get into Section 1. And, you know, I mean, when's the last time they gave Wilson a game? You guys were like in third grade or something. Uh, no, I unfortunately was on the team. <laughs> 2001, 21 nothing at Gursky. Uh, snapped the home winning streak. Right. Uh, Brandon Kirsten, J- Jaron Haynes had something to say about yeah. that. Um, and that was actually, that came up in my correspondence with Jeff today about streaks and things like that. I said, honestly, I, um, I don't think Wilson's lost three games in a row in, in a season, not overlapping between seasons since my junior year in 2001, when we started two and zero, but then lost three games in a row at Whitehall right after nine 11, then to Crest at home and then went to McCaskey with Perry Patterson lost three games. I'm not sure Wilson's lost three games in a row in a, in a season since, since that time. So obviously this game against uh, MLK this Friday uh, could be the first 0-3 start since 1965 and the first three-game losing streak in a season since 2001. Um, well, we're not on the MLK yet, though. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of these other teams, Mike, since this is the first time you're on this year. What, about, what do you think about Hemfield? What are, what are your thoughts on, on uh, the Black Knights? I, you know, I think everything went right for them last year. Uh, they won a lot of close games. They won, uh, you know, they beat both Township and Wilson in field goal games. And I think they won a total of three games by four points or less. So, um, and they, they've lost some key guys since then. Uh, now they did get their big lineman back, uh, uh, David uh, Pally Pally, you know, who, who was gone for a month or two, at least in his own mind, he had transferred, never actually left. Right. He was talking about going to IMG Academy, and and fortunately, he, he returned. Uh, and I, I know nobody in West Lawn would have minded if he had gone to Florida. But, I, you know, I hate to see uh, a, a local player, so to speak, you know, go to one of those academies. I think that's generally a mistake. And he's he's a good player, but I don't think he's that good that he, you know – needs to to go to Florida and he also, you know, doesn't need to go to Florida to get some attention and get some exposure because he's already got a full ride to USC. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I get if you're in a spot and I can't pretend to know all the situations, you know, if you're in a spot where you feel like that's what you need in order to get those things, he didn't need that. He had all the offers. He's going to get to go wherever he wants to go. And uh, in football, 
you're going to be so if you want to be there, you're going to be there for three years before you can go to the pros. Anyway, this isn't basketball in basketball. You might be looking like, Hey, I've got to maximize my high school years because I'm only going to college or the developmental MBA program thing for one year before I can go into the NBA. Like, right. You, you still have your time as a football player to, to grow before you're going to the NFL. So like, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I say that, you know, they, there's obviously a market for it because they just got bought by that capital in like firm capital for like a billion or dollars or whatever it was. But yeah, it, I, I think just, people get, get in the heads of some of these kids and if their parents haven't been exposed to high school sports, you know, they just, they don't know you could sell them a bill of goods. And I think uh, I, I, I put this out on in, in a tweet uh, during the preseason. I was, you know, going through rosters and seeing a lot of kids transferring, to, to these academies and, and uh, uh, you know, private schools outside of the PRAA. And I'm, I just wondered aloud, you know, what percentage of, of these work out well? Right. You know, how many of these things turn out well? One like in, One in five, well, one in ten? Yeah, like, and I guess uh, Michael Ford from uh, Governor Mifflin yeah. now plays at Roman. And I, he had, a, I think he had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he made against it so known, yeah. Yeah, so, but, you know... Um, if you want exposure as a high school football player, most of that comes in the spring and summer at camps at Penn State and Lehigh and Villanova and Delaware. That's where you go and and show yourself against other elite players and the coaches are there and they can see you up up close. They get on the field where they talk to you and they really get to know you at these things. And yeah, obviously you want to see a, a, a kid perform on a Friday night, but 90% 90% of those scholarships are offered at those camps in the right. summer. Right. You know, they see right. they see somebody and and they get offered on the spot a lot or they get invited to another camp or two. Um so yeah, it just uh yeah, like it, stri- it strikes a nerve with me when I see some of these kids make these moves. Right. And honestly, if you look at the track record over the last few years like in Berks County, like we've had a lot of kids from the Berks County schools go to big time programs. Like it now they're going to those camps or doing those things, but you know, I, I just look like James James Franklin isn't worried about what Jevin Williams is doing against Fleetwood, you know, or Conrad Weiser, or you know, like in those games, like he's he obviously he wants him to do well and look good in those games, but yeah, they they bring those guys to those camps and they look at them and they they run them through whatever they want to run them through, you know, a controlled situation for them. Yeah, that's how they're they're getting those things. Yes, the tape is a big deal, and you can they, especially their trained eyes, can see a lot more from that than than I can. But yeah, like if if you're that guy, you're going to get seen, especially on you know now where it's everywhere. You know, it, 30, 30 years ago, where you know you had to like take a tape and send it in. You know, that was different. The whole game's different now. Like. And you mentioned why I'm missing. It's a perfect example. You could say, oh, it's a small school. You know, he's playing against Kutztown. But who cares? Right. You know, no, small school. P- Penn State has the last two years signed right. linemen out of there. Caleb Brewer now is right. a senior. He's going to Penn State. Javen Williams is getting high marks uh, at Penn State. Yeah, you know, Joey Schlaufer, Nick Singleton. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but I mean, that's just Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, and, and, and you know, the run-ons do well, too. Um, Caleb Brown was up there for a year. Jan Johnson. Up, Jan Johnson, yes. <laughs> he, know, did, like, he did okay. He did yeah. okay, yeah. I'd say that was okay. Um, but Justin Weller was there for five yeah. five seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, actually had tried to help Mike out trying to get a Burks to Penn State list together. Uh, unfortunately, it broke down once the uh, available rosters online didn't no longer included high schools. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, it was a little rough. But, uh, it, it, yeah, there's quite a connection to big-time college football to Berks County. And, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think so, you have to go to these academies. I think you nailed it. Here, like, uh, you know, central to this show, yeah, not thrilled that he decided to stay at Hempfield. Um, but for Coach Ager, and, and honestly for him, I – I, I hope it's it works out and it seems like that's what he really wanted to do so good for him you know to be secure enough in his decision to to not just go with it because he felt like oh I made this decision I don't want to like go back no, no he he made what he felt was the right decision good for him so um, yeah answer your, your question Joe yeah I, I don't think I think uh, everything was like a perfect storm last year for Hempfield, and, okay. I, and they've lost some guys. Yeah. But I Sorry. think, you know, Township is the team, and, and Wilson's got seven weeks to get ready for him. Yeah. I, I just – I don't ever like to give anyone bulletin board material. I like to give these, each of these teams time in the spotlight because I don't want anyone, especially obviously the players on the team, to overlook anyone. And it's just Cedarcrest jumped out to me as a bit of a, a surprise because I, I feel like every year people are talking about either them or Penn Manor as maybe this is a year that they break through and challenge the likes of what had been Wilson and Township until Hempfield had that great year last year. I don't think Hempfield's as talented as they were last year. Like you said, a perfect storm, but I definitely don't sell them short. I definitely think they're going to be a tough out. And for us, Wilson-centric again, we got to go to Landisville uh, in a few weeks. But there's a lot of games to go before uh, before that happens, and we're not even ready to enter LL1 play yet. First up is the Martin Luther King Golden Cougars, who Wilson has played the last two seasons, winning by, I believe, a shutout both times. I don't. I don't I, remember the shutout. I, I, I knew believe, it was. I believe it was, it was the the last two years. Uh, I could easily look that up. Um, Justin and I are still in the middle of this fantasy draft, which at one point it caught us, and we drafted a kicker and a defense in like middle. halfway through. Uh, so not great uh, trying to do uh, multiple things here at once. But uh, up here now in week three in 2023 is MLK. They came to Wilson the last two seasons. Couldn't get him to come for a third straight year. So. The Bulldogs are heading down Friday night to Germantown Super Site, uh, Benjamin L. Johnston Stadium, which I believe is where Why Missing had their state semifinal this past December. Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> You're not a fan of the Super Site. Oh, my goodness. I, if I had a tractor, I'd plow that place over. It's, it's, a, the not-so-super Super Site? Is, that, is a, that what you're saying? It's a super embarrassment. Uh, it oh, really is. Man. There's no way that a, a – High school game should be played there, let alone a state playoff game. And I, I told Bob Lombardi as much right after that game. I wrote him an email and, and told him that the turf looked like it, you know, that George Washington played on it and, and the uh, goalposts were uh, leaning like 30 degrees to the one side. There were no restrooms, no concession stands, no parking. Uh, yeah, just warning to Wilson fans, uh, you're you're going to be going back about 40 years in time. And that's why Justin and I are going on the bus. <laughs> Also, it's a six thirty kickoff, so got to leave early. So anyone watching that didn't wasn't aware of that, playing MLK at Germantown Super Site, the kick game kicks off at six thirty, not seven o'clock. So if you are traveling down there, get there earlier and leave early. Uh, traffic construction, you know, that's yeah, I know a people problem. had issues getting to Upper Dublin, and 
Now, that was, I think, due to an accident on the turnpike. But, yeah, give yourself time if you're planning on making that trip. Uh, and the, the score was uh, 50 to 8 last year, okay, Joe. 50 to 8. Okay, not double shutouts. So right. For some reason, I was thinking it was back-to-back, but... I'm sorry. That was the 21 score last right, year. I have it right here. Last year it was, as I scroll through my website, uh, 37 nothing. You're right. It okay, was a shutout. So it was a shutout. So yep. 87 to 8 the last two years then, right. if I can do some quick math there. Uh, MLK, but we talked about this when MLK came on the schedule, and that was as a result of a weird COVID dynamic in 2020, and then scrambling in 2021. They agreed to do the home game in 2021 and also in 2022. Now we're reciprocating going down there this season, the year before coronavirus screwed everything up, they were nine and one and public league champions. So this is not a team that it has, you know, is a bottom dweller. They've had success. And recently they've had a couple of rough years now, four and eight uh, last year. And, but four and eight was, a marked improvement right. from the year before. They were, so. Yeah, because they were one and seven. They're off to a one and one start this year. They lost their first game to Pottstown, fourteen to eight. Uh, they hosted that game. Then they also hosted the first three straight home games for them. Wow. Uh, they also them. <laughs> hosted Merle Dobbins Votech. I'm not familiar with the uh, the entity, but they beat them forty eight nothing. Public public league school, public okay. league football. I mean. Not much there. Uh, their facilities are terrible throughout the public league. So, yeah, the, the, you know, they're not going to be very good in, in football. Basketball, yes. You know, Wilson, uh, if Wilson was playing uh, MLK in basketball, uh, Matt Coldren would be up late at night studying. But uh, 11 on 11, I, I just can't take them. So you don't think the Cougars are, can can give Wilson a third loss to open this season? Uh, I, I'm, put it this way. I'm not going to – I'm not going to – Pick that upset this week. I, 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 your, your fearless Friday. I was yeah, say, yeah, he will go on the record, and I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys a tip. I'll, I'm, you know, I would say go with Wilson this right, week that, in your in your right. picks. Uh, you know, they beat Pottstown, but didn't Pottstown have like a 40, 30, 40 game losing streak in the last few years? They, I'm not familiar. Yeah, with they, I mean, football, they've been so. they've been pretty terrible. So to beat them by a touchdown at home, that's not a. They lost to them. Oh, they lost. They to, lost well, to Pottstown, fourteen yeah. to eight. Yeah. They, they beat Merle Dobbins votes. So I'll be doubling down on the Bulldogs <laughs> this week. Doubling down on the Bulldogs. Yes. Okay. Uh, I like to save that one. I think I'm saving that one for week six for Wilson. So oh, you save it for week are. 10, Joe. Uh-huh. And, uh, don't tempt me. Yeah. Where, don't tempt me. Don't you believe? <laughs> don't throw me under the bus. I pick Wilson every week. It doesn't matter who the opponent yeah. is. I'm picking Wilson. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So Martin Luther King down there. Third straight season against them. Not a lot to say about about the the Cougars. It's been rough the last two years. They just they they seem to have some communication issues. They struggled to get the playoff, but they were they were record wise better last year. Uh, like Justin said, four and seven. And I know they've had the talent there to win a lot a lot of games just a few seasons ago. So I don't want to. I don't certainly don't want to sell them short. You're, uh, you're sounding like Coach Mays right now. But back to the important thing as far as the fearless Friday football forecast. Now, I, Joe, I know you 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 must pick Wilson every week, being a coach of the program. I understand that. Does Justin have the same uh, yes, obligation being a, a co-host? I have a signed contract. Oh, okay, that says. <laughs> So he, week he will, ten, you'll be picking the Bulldogs to win. Okay, one hundred percent. Absolutely, you can mark it down now. Absolutely, like, that's fi- that's fine with us. Well, see, like, and it's interesting because whenever Joey asks me if I think 
the Eagles are going to win. I say I pick it. I pick against them every week. He does because yeah. then Wilson I, because is the opposite because then right. So like Wilson, that's where I I pour all my optimism and belief into into the Bulldogs. And we, we my went, other teams, I expect, very cynical. I expect the absolute worst. And then if that doesn't happen, great. And if it happened. I knew I, it was, was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> very, it's a very cynical. It's a terrible when it, attitude when to it have. Comes to professional no, no, no. I understand that you're a Phillies fan, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I understand this completely. Hey, got the win today after a poor showing three of the last four days. Somehow expanded their wild card lead, though. They're up five and a half That's games nuts. now after losing two or three. Well, I, I, I so. thanked Mike when he got here for his Orioles beating the Diamondbacks because anytime you can knock down those teams chasing Philadelphia, I'm happy about it. So. Say, this is the and again, you guys don't remember this the 40th anniversary of the Phillies being in, in the World Series so, against, against the Orioles. Yes. Yeah, so so yeah. he sent me a thing the other day. There's a group online is going through what are the most entertaining possible World Series matchups. And somebody said Phillies, Phillies Orioles. Orioles. Well, my mom is from Baltimore. She's and so Baltimore, like, yeah. and, I'm, and he's like, oh, this would be a nightmare for you. I'm like, oh, it would absolutely be a nightmare for me. Well, it, it would be a nightmare because the Orioles will win that <laughs> series. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That, that we're clipping that because if that comes up in October, November, it'll be very, yeah, very interesting. Post that on the Phillies bulletin board right there. Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, Justin and I, we 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 have eternal optimism when it comes to Wilson Athletics. Uh, obviously, specifically football for sure. But when it comes to everything else, I mean, you if you saw our text threads, uh, Penn State football, like. I mean, we're that, both huge Dindley Lions fans. I can understand being a Philadelphia fan because the Eagles have had their, you know, miseries in the Sixers and the Phillies. But how can you not be optimistic about Penn State? I mean, they win every, every year for the most part. 2017 and 2018 didn't go the way it was no. supposed to, and that was very frustrating. Yeah, now, was last year was great. Last year was fantastic. Yeah. I loved last yeah. year. Rose Bowl champs, that's great. You have nothing to complain about. That's being a Penn State grad and cheering yes. for the Nittany Lions. <laughs> yes. Yes. But the, the season is young, just like the high school football season is young. Only two weeks down. Um, but Wilson in an unfamiliar spot, sitting at 0-2. Hasn't happened since 1993. Justin and I were just on two years ago um, trying to put water on the flames of uh, Wilson community freaking out when the Bulldogs were, what, two and three, was it? Yeah, I think one, so. One, uh, weren't they one and three? They might have. We might um, have. I think they were started, one. Started um, with a win against Central Dolphin, then lost to Mifflin, lost to Exeter. No, then because then we oh. beat MLK. Yeah, we beat uh, MLK. And then, beat, right, to and then to lost to Manheim Central. And then lost, yeah. Yes, yeah. That yeah. Was, two, yeah. We were so three. two and three. So let me just say, you're not supposed to throw, uh, well, I'm putting water. water on the fire. Yeah, I'm putting but, out those 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 <laughs> the uh, the community that just can't chill and relax. I mean, look at the way 2021 ended. They were within a face mask on Cam Jones on a punt return in the district yep. championship from pushing Harrisburg to the limits. Right, and uh, you know the team has plenty of time to get right and get to the way they know they can play. We heard it. There was so much positivity leading up to the season right. that. I, would be hard for me to fathom that Wilson doesn't get right. And right. I think shock a lot of and, people. And, you know, whether they get to seven to three or I hope eight and two, there's no one that's going to want to play them in the district playoffs if they win seven, no. or seven out of eight or eight games well, in a row. And, and like you said, I, I think one of the biggest things is sometimes you just need to get some of that success. Like, you know, like right now, you know, all, oh, I hope all their focus is not on, well, what are we going to need to do at the end of the season? What about week 10? Right what about what about Hemfield? No, none of that. It needs to be on MLK, 
focus and get, just get the job done this week. Get the job done this week and then move on and Reading's the week after that, correct? Back at home. Because yeah. we're, yeah, we're Ch- on that. Chad night. Right. Um, good picture with that the other day. Thank the other you. Night, by the way. Um, and whoever hung that bank banner did, did a great job. Excellent job yeah. hanging so, the banner. We did, um, we did a good yeah. job. We did. And, uh, but like, it's just one of those things where, look, I know we just, hopefully sometimes when you can get that first little bit of success, you know, it's, I I equate so much of this to like when you're trying to push a car, right? It's hard to get it going to, to get that inertia. But once you get it moving, you know, it's not nearly as bad. Um, And and so hopefully, you know, we can get a win this week, get some, something to feel good about. And then, you know, hopefully you can build on that for the next week. And, And if they improve each week, and like I said, I feel like there were there were areas where you could definitely see improvements, even though the end result wasn't what we wanted. Um, but like just in terms of how the offense looked, the offense looked so much better this week than they did last week. You know, if you continue to make improvements across the board, then then you hope you put yourself in a spot where you're you're going to be competitive in all of your games. So. Justin, I feel like you should be laying on a couch and I should be taking notes here, (laughs) asking you about your childhood or your, you know. That's kind of why these podcasts we do started because Justin and I would have these cathartic conversations or venting sessions to each other. And we're just like, well, might as well put it out there for other people to (laughs) share in our misery. I I forget where we were just the other day and somebody was like, oh, they're like, my son has a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like oh, yeah, uh, t-shirt yeah. jersey. And he's like, the how Blue can you Jays. let him wear a, a Blue Jays t-shirt jersey? I was like, because the Blue Jays didn't make him cry when he was in third grade. I they said, made me cry when I was in third grade. We need shirts that say Joe Carter ruined my childhood. <laughs> yes. I, I saw one of those yesterday. I had never seen that before. It's a great shirt. It is yes. a fantastic shirt. Um, I'm, unfortunately, it's true. I'm 93. Will always haunted me until 2008. So. It, it should have said Mitch Williams ruined my, you know, throwing an 84 mile an hour fastball down the pike. Oh, Mitch, Mitch. Oh man. Yeah. So oh, now I lost my. Now I'm thinking about baseball heartbreak. I lost my train of thought. Um, there was something I wanted to say. Mike's getting a glimpse into the sheets parking lot. Uh, conversations that happen on Friday nights. Yeah. Uh, I think it, maybe it'll come to me, but there was another topic, um, Mike, that we wanted to throw at you. It actually relates back to um, uh, the Cedar Crest discussion that we had of, do you think that they're going to be a challenge for teams in LL Section 1? It was very interesting to me to see a direct quote to Coach Will Dassin in the Lancaster newspaper article, their preview, uh, essentially by name, calling out the the top three dogs in LL1, Wilson, Manheim Township, and Hempfield for recruiting. And I just, I couldn't believe, we, we were getting a little hint of that uh, at the kickoff uh, luncheon with you, that that would be running. And I we were aghast. And I just, I, I didn't know, I wanted to get you on the record comments about what do you think about that, uh, that little uh, sound bite. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I I don't know. Now, Mannheim Township, I I know they've they've had a few pretty good players uh, from Berks County end up over there a few years ago. The Emge brothers, you know, uh, the quarterback and the two twins, Sam and uh, I forget the other one's name. And Luke was the quarterback, and they were all really good football players. And and uh, uh, you know, that's like adding four or five starters to your roster. It was great, but 
you know, Wilson, I mean, I'm trying to think of who the last name transfer. I mean, Iggy came over a few years ago, Iggy Reynoso, and then I'd be hard-pressed to, to name a whole bunch of transfers that Wilson has gotten. I mean, the, you know, the, the Weller Weller came in from Chicago, but his dad grew up in this uh, neighborhood, and, and he moved back for family. So I don't think he moved from Chicago so his sons could play football and in, in the program. When Iggy played, were those the years we – did we not even play Cedar Crest those years? Yeah, I don't believe Cedar like, Crest was up. I think they might. That might have been the year they were down at, at section, section two. two. Yeah, so it just I don't know where he got that from or what he was thinking of. I mean, honestly, I, well, well, people, man, this is going to take us on. We've got fifteen <laughs> minutes. We're fine. People still uh, are bent out of shape about Kerry. You know, it's we're thirty plus years removed from that now. Uh, you know, and he came as a as a junior. Uh, from from Lebanon, I know people were very upset about. I that. thought he came as a sophomore. I thought he played well, football season. Okay, yeah, because I right. thought he played baseball as a sophomore You're, here. Yes, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm sorry, football right. specific mind. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, he came later in his sophomore and he, year. And he's a pretty good one. If you're going to get a transfer, I mean, sure. you know, an NFL quarterback who plays what 18, 20 years and throws for more yards than Johnny United's, so, you know, people remember that. <laughs> well, and and the one that always gets me is the people that talk about Chad Henney. That he moved into the Wilson. So he did. He was a transfer in third grade. Right. He transferred from Hamburg, um, I think. It's, it's amazing the the posts that you when people glad, talk about. I'm him. glad that Sheldon Sue had the foresight to <laughs> yes, see in their second be, grade son yeah, that hey, a you know what? NFL player. Right. Right. And yeah, they knew that as a third grader had to get him to Wilson as a third. <laughs> Wait, grader. a transfer is a transfer. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just it, it frustrates me because I I, I, I guess I don't like. When I think of transfer, I think of college football, moving school to school at, at a whim. Sometimes they're for actual reasons, family-related, academic-related. They're obviously mostly for athletic. And it's a scholarship thing. It's a whole different animal. I don't like the word transfer in high school football because if a family literally moves from a, to another district, that's not a transfer. They they moved. And I've already said, and I believe I've had put this on the podcast many times, if you're willing to uproot your family – to move to another district, you can do that for whatever reason you want. And I, I don't really have a problem with that because you are literally uprooting your family. And I know the PAWs put in things now that if you do that, regardless of the reason, after what is it, right before your before sophomore your, before season? Before your 10th grade season, yeah. yeah. If you do it before that, you're fine. Right. Anything yeah. after that, you're going to have to sit out the postseason unless that you go through that review process. Waiver. But yeah. If you are, and like you, you brought up the, the Emgies from that Fleetwood, Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. to Township, they moved into that district. I don't have a pro- I have no problem with that. I, I, I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, Emgies transferred the man in town. They moved. Right. Like, if did they do it for athletic reasons? Maybe. I, I don't know. But they moved their family. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. So these comments bugged me because I was like, Justin and I can sit here and name a dozen Wilson athletes that we coached or no played at a Southern middle school or even the freshman team didn't play at Wilson in high school because they moved. I, I, they, they, it, it makes me very angry that Coach Wildassen is throwing this accusation at these three schools without any proof just like the general stuff that's out in the ether that is just the same ham-fisted arguments that don't even apply anymore or something that could have happened decades ago but again still the way i talk about it, it still was a legitimate transfer carrie collins lived in west lawn 
for the last two and a half years of his high school career. Chad Henney lived in the Wilson District since his third grade year, despite what people in comment sections online want to tell you they know. It just It's just frustrating to me. So I hate the word transfer in anything I read about high school sports because they're not transfers to me if you're legitimately moving. And I also don't like, because I know people will talk about the, the non-boundary schools, the, the Catholic charter, whatever. I don't like, and I believe this is happening somewhere in Pennsylvania right now, a player went to a non-boundary school, but then went back to the school that he lives in and they don't want him to play. He's not allowed to play. I think the PIAA ruled against him. He's returning to the district that he should be a part of. Yeah. He chose to leave. Like, and I understand there's issues with that kind of thing, but he's playing with the school that he should be playing for. It just it boggles my mind the way we wrap ourselves up with the notion of these transfers. The very few, I think, are legitimate ones that you're like, that that's not okay. Right. What's happening. Right. There. They're out there and, and I, I see them more in basketball than football, but they're, they're still out there in football. And, you know, when I, when I see a, a kid transfer and I'm, you know, it's, it's, there was a receiver from a, a small school in, in the Lancaster Lebanon league and he transferred to Bishop McDevitt this year. And I just thought, you know, what are you doing? Do you think you're actually going to play there? And, and maybe he is good enough. We'll see. But, uh, you know, I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, so many of these kids get bad advice and, and, and they go there and these things don't turn out well. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of it going on. And I, I do like, for the most part, what the PWA did three or four years ago, really tightening up these rules. But like any rule, there's always a way around it. And, yeah, you could, you know, transfer into third or fourth grade uh, and, and, and maybe with the intent that your son or daughter is going to play it high school sports and then you know it could turn out that they you know end up in the choir or as in the acting you know a part of school activities and they don't play sports but but uh uh it's definitely a hot button issue and as we see joe got he got a little worked up didn't he oh, about yeah. this yeah it, 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 people well, do it frustrates yeah. me when people throw out bad accusations like yeah. if you're proof about something but what started this there's literally no proof like I, I would like to hear the proof. Yeah. I don't I know think... that anyone's followed up about it, but uh, that it was just—it's just a frustrating thing. Well, your, your week five show. I mean, I think you should have Coach Wilderson on. I well, mean, get well, him on the phone and ask well, him. And it was interesting, like, because the other part of that direct quote from him is that you know, basically that well, no one can compete with those three. Like, what? Yeah, essentially was, throwing his was, own team under the that bus to say we're that was not just good an, enough. It, the whole thing was kind of an odd take it's to me. Bizarre. And look, he, you know, he knows his team. Maybe he, maybe it's an us against the world thing. Like I, I don't know, but like it just seems odd to me. I, I maybe just because the way I'm, the things I'm so familiar with, which granted is almost entirely the the, the Wilson program, is just like they don't worry about like people outside the community will worry about all the extra stuff they. I guarantee you their sole focus this week is on what they are doing. You know, they're not worried about anything else. They're going to worry about what they need to do for MLK this week. Like, they're not, you know, you know, you know making recruiting visits. You know, like, <laughs> and, and one more thing I've noticed because I, I, I talk to the players a lot and ask questions. The, the players themselves don't get bent out of shape. You know, if they're, they're, their teammate transfers to another school, they're still buddies, you know, they still see each other, they root for each other. It's the parents and the fans that they get bent out of shape. Right. But the kids, I've never heard a player, you know, criticize another, like a teammate or another player 
for for moving to a different school, even if they thought it was athletically motivated. I, I, I just I, I think just to finish this topic and and the show. I, I think back to something I see every year posted by Ross Tucker, just reminding kids to relish this opportunity to play with their friends and for their community. And I feel like too many student athletes are being robbed of that by outside forces, not working in their best interests. Because we know the statistics of how many high school student athletes get to move on and play collegiately, at least at a big level and with a scholarship, like the ones that supposedly like you're training for, you're working towards, you're moving because it'll get you there. I think all that is quite honestly BS. I think you should stick around with your community. Uh, Again, if you're moving, this is not about like you're moving, you're moving, but I'm just saying moving districts, because you think it's going to get you more exposure. I just, I don't buy into any of that. The college coaches will find you and you will make it known. I feel like that goes along with the specialization conversation too, you know, and the, you know, focusing on one sport from the time you're in like sixth grade. The worst advice you could get from anyone. Like I just, yeah, you talk to all the highest level people and they're so against that, you know, and yet, you see more and more of it. It's yeah. just your, your best athletes by and large are going to be multi-sport athletes. Right. Well, if that didn't matter, then why, when Michael Mennett was a junior at Exeter playing basketball, did uh, the offensive line coach and another Penn state coach come down and watch him play? Right. Exactly. You know, they weren't there to, to see Lonnie Walker. They were there to see how Michael ran up and down the floor, how he interacted with his teammates right. and coaches and, and, you know, see what he looked like out of the pads. Uh, they thought it was important. And, you know, and one one more thing, I mean, while I'm on basketball, you know, that's that was the, the beautiful thing about Stevie Mitchell and his team at Wilson when they won the district championship. He certainly had an opportunity to transfer to play at pretty much any, any academy or private school that he wanted in the country. But he stayed because those are his buddies. He grew up playing with them. Exactly. And you could tell by the way they played. And it's the same with the Reading High players. Those kids grew up playing together and they know where they are, where their teammates are on the floor. They know where to pass the ball when they're playing defense. They, know, I mean, And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Kids have grown up playing together and know each other and they're a real team and then they see them succeed. Well, it, that's an interesting point because, like, I think about back to, like, one of our first episodes. Well, not really our first, but one that r- hits this run of where we get into Bulldog Hour, where we do the senior interviews. And how many of our kids, their favorite memories, we ask them, what's your favorite football memory? They talk about Van Reed and Lincoln and, Park. Right. They talk about Van Reed and Lincoln Park memories. And, again, in part because so many of those friends, they're still playing with. But, like, they're talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we won this game then or we lost this game that, you know, but, like. They, they're talking about these, you know, playing with these kids forever, and it just it brings them so much joy. And we've talked to a number of the kids who have gone on from Wilson and played at the college level, and and oh, they're loving it. Yeah. But they they come back and they say it's like, it's not the same. It's, it's a job. so different. It it's is so a job. different because it's just the like, and not that you don't have friends on the team, but it's not the same as high school where your friend, you know, you're just yeah. playing with all these friends you've known forever. And, I mean, the three Wilson kids most recently up at at Penn State that have Wilson ties. We talked to Justin Weller. We talked to Grayson Klein. We talked to uh, Caleb Brown when right. when he was, you know, when they each came home and visited. We talked to them. It was like, oh, I love it, but man, it's different. It, it's not the same. It'll never be the same. You know, the high school. You know, I'm obviously I'm paraphrasing, but the pinnacle, purest form of 
football is high school football. And I truly believe that because it's the best grouping of all the emotions and expectations you can get at the higher on the ladder you climb, the less it is for fun. It becomes a job. Sure. So uh, I think student athletes, not just football, that goes to every sport. Enjoy it. Enjoy those three or four years that you get to make memories, just like Ross Tucker always puts out right before that first Friday night lights in, in, in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, that, that's the best, the best message we can put out there. Don't, uh, don't take it for granted. All right, Mike, why don't we put a, a put a bow on our discussions? Just any final thoughts on Wilson Central Dolphin or the Bulldogs here at the you know, week three of 2023? Yeah, you know, like like I said earlier, it's a long season. Um, they're going to win this week, and they're going to win a bunch more games going forward. And and uh, their biggest game is still light years away, and it's it's, it's going to be like a different season. But by the time they play. Uh, Manheim Township. That's what uh, November twenty seventh. You know, will be it'll be Halloween and it won't be summer. So, yeah, lots yeah. of road to go. <laughs> uh, my my chat function wasn't working, but working, working. But I see we've been getting a bunch of uh, messages, and one of them is from your mom saying, uh, <laughs> "Oh, I bet Mike she had is comments. Mike is her new BFF." No, I knew that. I was <laughs> like, next time I go over there, it's going to be like Mike Drago, uh, Sports dot com, like stuff everywhere. Uh, because now that she's on to that, you're an Orioles guy. That's I'm never going to hear the end of it. So, oh, uh, Mrs. Henning ch- ch- chipped in. He was not a transfer. Stupid third grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can always count on on the Hennies setting everyone straight. Uh, I like do like to see Tracy go after people in the comments all the time, as if they know better than the family. I just I never understand. It reminds uh, me of all those tweets when like people are like, you know, they're ripping like the the director of some movie they're like but they don't know it's the director and they're like that's not what the director meant and like i'm literally the director or like i am the source you know like yeah interesting but all right well mike thank you very much for joining us tonight it was a an interesting discussion it's always great to have a different point of view on it especially after a wilson loss because justin and i uh you find it tough to to talk about uh when we're sitting at at a at 0 and 1 for the week. So, uh, appreciate you coming on and all your support over the years as yeah, absolutely. well. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Always enjoy it, Joe. Justin, thank you. We um I've already talked to you about coming back on later in the year because I think people really enjoyed last year when we had both you and Jeff Reinert on to talk about the playoffs. Now, because of my schedule, we're going to move that up a week. I already told you guys the pencil in a date at the end of October, and it's actually going to be a preview of the Mannheim Township game. So when we check back in with you on the show, I'm hoping Wilson's sitting at, uh, what would that be, 7-2 and two at that point and uh, staring down a possible battle for a, a, a championship in well, LL1. And, and that's what I, you know, I kind of, I sent this to Joe on maybe late Friday or early Saturday. Cause again, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation on Friday night, but I said in, in reality, all of the goals except undefeated are, are still there for this team. You know, you talk about, you know, I know the Mifflin game always comes up because that's one the, you know, the a huge rivalry winning the section is, is a goal you know, winning district, like all of those things are still on the table. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's time to do that work. You need to, that work needs to be taking place now, but like there's time and opportunities to still achieve a lot of goals that they set for themselves before the season. You know, it's 
let's make it happen. Absolutely. That's exactly, that's a perfect way to end the show. So thanks again to Mike, co-host Justin. Uh, This ends episode seven of season nine of the Bulldog Hour. We will be back in one week's time to discuss game three against Martin Luther King and preview game four, which will be Reading. The Reading game is back at Gursky on September 15th, and that will be the Wilson Football Tradition Club's Chad Henney night, where you can Come to the stadium when gates open at 530 and get in line to have a meet and greet with Chad, pictures, autographs. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And it, what's better than free? You're going to pay a dime for it. Come out and hang out with a, a Wilson legend, a 15-year NFL quarterback. Probably the most important thing, a two-time Super Bowl champion. I don't think you get to say that too often. So join us in less than two weeks at Gursky on September 15th for Chad Henney Night uh, for a game against Reading. And it's, it's not like Chad doesn't have any history with the uh, – the Red Knights either. So uh, fortuitous uh, timing for the that event to take place. D- had nothing to do with it. We were deciding between the 1st, the 15th, or the 29th. It just had to work with everyone's schedule, and we, we settled on the 15th against Reading. So uh, th- that's it. So uh, until next time, uh, for Mike, Justin, and myself, and the entire Wilson program, remember, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.